You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Why don't you tell someone beside you or across from you or behind you or wherever, the title of my sermon this morning, Modern Warfare. Modern Warfare. All the gamer guys just got excited for a moment there. Or gamer girls, whoever. First and foremost, I just wanted to wish everyone a happy belated Thanksgiving. I know it was last week, but we weren't here, of course. But we wanted to greet, just want to greet everyone that hopefully had a lot of turkey. If not turkey, just a bunch of uh, other foods that you uh, probably have cooked up. Uh, we also want to thank Pastor Paul Tuck for coming in and, and, and preaching on, on, my, on my behalf or, and to our church and also his congregation that joined us for that uh, weekend. Now, just to sort of convey what's going to happen for the next month or so, going into November, we're going to have a, a bunch of standalone sermons until November, and then come November, we're starting a new series, um, uh, a new series that we're going to be unpacking. And so get excited for that, prepare for that. It should be a good one. Now, this morning, I want to unpack for you a word sort of, or, or a lesson that God has been teaching me, myself, and refining in me over the past few weeks and months. And, and I'll admit that I'm still not perfect in. And that lesson is on how to deal with intrusive thoughts, how to deal with thoughts that plague our minds on a daily basis. I don't know about you, but it seems like on a regular basis, I am bombarded with a variety of thoughts that either discourage my walk with God or deter my walk with God. Whether it's temptations towards sin or, or succumb to uh, some sort of despair or temptation to go with the floor, to go with the rest of the world. Maybe it's lies from the enemy that, that causes me to doubt even God's revealed word, his truth, or maybe even fears that that paralyze me from doing what I'm called to do. Or oftentimes it's insecurities, insecurities that get me to question my own identity in Christ. There is a constant battle that goes on in, I'm sure, not just my thoughts, but in our thoughts, in the day-to-day, -day, in our day-to-day -day thoughts. And listen, modernity doesn't help, or our day and age doesn't help in that either, right? Whether it's the blatant lies that's being perpetuated on news media or the misinformation, the fear-mongering that's broadcasted out there, or maybe it's social media that's perpetuating a certain lifestyle that it, that it tries to encourage people to pursue. Or maybe it's the onslaught on Christian values from the world, or even the, 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 the laws and policies of the world discouraging us to live out our Christian life and our Christian duties. Or maybe it's just the discouraging news that we often hear, right? What's happening in different countries, crisis in different areas of the world that can often be discouraging and even sway even the most seasoned of Christians. No wonder mental health issues are at an all-time high in our society. I mean, in a, in a time and age where they call it the information age, right? Or revels in the, the postmodern thought. The, the battleground of this era is in the, in the mind, in our thoughts. And my hope for us this morning is to unpack from God's Word what would help in that battle. The tools that will equip us to, to help us in our, 
in our walk with God, as we fight these spiritual battles in our thoughts, in our minds, as we fight these intrusive thoughts, so that our walk with God would flourish and that we would find victory even against temptation and sin and discouragement and despair. So that for, for those of us who might be struggling with those things, you'd be able to find some hope and some tools to help you crawl out of those areas that you have found yourself in. To take our thoughts captive, as our passage has just said, said so that it would be shaped in accordance to the will and truths of God's word. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 simply says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen, we cannot think like the world if we desire to not fall into the fall into the pitfalls of the world, to act and behave like the world. As believers in Christ, the reality is, and the truth is, that we, have, uh, we are blessed and fortunate to have access to certain weapons, certain tools to utilize in this modern warfare of the mind. Weapons and tools that are made to destroy, as our passage says, very strongholds that cause us to shrink back in fear, that cause us to stumble into sin, that cause us to despair and be discouraged over the things of our lives, over the things of this world. And our passage lays out for us what these tools are for us, uh, the, the tools that we can utilize. So let's get into it. Everyone say jump for me as we get into this passage. Amen. So some context to 2 Corinthians first. If you've ever read, the, whether it's 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you know what the story is. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is rebuking a very sinful, a very rebellious church who had picked up bad practices and had false teachers in them. Now, after 1 Corinthians, he hears back and, says, and hears back from the Corinthian church saying that, oh, you know what, they've changed now. They regret everything. So in 2 Corinthians, he's responding to them. He's, he's replying back to them and, and sort of encouraging them to say, hey, you know what, it, it, there's still grace. There's still things that you can work out. We can still, you can still be redeemed from everything that's happened already. Now, in addition to that, he's also in 2 Corinthians rebuking the false teachers, these so-called super apostles that had set themselves up in the Corinthian church. These false these false apostles, these super apostles, were all about the externals. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, where they were the ones who were attempting to discredit Paul for, for who he was and his calling. At the same time, they were teaching a lot of false doctrine. And it's in this context that Paul begins to write, or continues in our passage. Look at this with me again, verse 1 to 2. It says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. He's saying, listen, I'm, I'm harsh in my word. He's talking about 1 Corinthians. Or I was harsh in my words in that letter because I'm trying to correct you. But I'm, when I'm face to face with you, I'm more humble, I'm more meek. But then he goes on to say, I beg you, verse 2, I love this. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show that boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect of us walking according to the flesh. So Paul is saying, hopefully when I come to you, finally, that I don't need to be as bold. I don't need to be as harsh to you in person. And then he, he, I love what he, he adds or he, he tags her. In the same confidence and that same boldness that I'm going to show to these false teachers at the Corinthian church, when I come over and rebuke them, I hope, hopefully I don't need to do the same 
to you. Paul, in his language, he's, he's, it doesn't sound like he, he's going there for a pleasant visit, does it? He's going to the Corinthian church to, to kick some butt, to get rid of these, uh, these, these false teachers, these, these, these so-called super, these super apostles. And then this is why exactly in verse 3, he starts using some very specific language. Look at this, verse 3 with me. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The language of war, doing battle, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's a play on words. These super apostles were accusing Paul of walking in the flesh or living in the flesh, meaning living in sin. But then he, there's a play on words there where he says, for, for though we walk in the flesh, meaning we are in the flesh, we are living in the body, we are not waging according to the flesh. He goes on to say in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now this is great. Again, language of warfare. He's using, talking about weapons. He's about to make a march towards the Corinthian church to take out these so-called uh, false teachers. And he talks about destroying strongholds, weapons that destroy strongholds. And I think it's important to define what a stronghold is because a lot of some, some church traditions say certain things about what strongholds are and they make it a very spiritual thing. But at the same time, we, in the modern era, we don't really have a good concept of what a stronghold is. Maybe it's a, it's a Fort Knox or maybe it's a Pentagon. I think it's the closest thing that we have in our, in our modern era of what a stronghold is. A stronghold in ancient times was a fortress. It was often embedded in mountains. If, there's, if Paul was referring to any or referencing to any sort of stronghold in his time, it was a stronghold, a stronghold called Masada that the Jewish people built on top of a mountain, right? Maybe something that maybe you've seen before if you have ever visited uh, Fort York in the downtown core of Toronto, or maybe in Niagara Falls, uh, the Niagara on the lake, right? Uh, maybe you've vi visited Fort George down there. But the idea of a stronghold is it, was, it wasn't just some flimsy building. It was a whole fortress with gates and ramparts and, and walls and towers built upon a solid structure. This is what Paul is bringing to mind, that the weapons of his warfare, the, the weapons that he's going to utilize as he comes to Corinth to, do, to, to, to destroy or to punish these, these false teachers, have the power to destroy those kinds of strongholds. Now, of course, he's not talking about physical strongholds because we see what he's talking about in verse 5, what exactly these strongholds are. He says in verse 5 of our passage, pardon me, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience with when your obedience is complete. So very specific, very specific that it's not a, a physical stronghold that Paul's coming to destroy, but specifically arguments, lofty opinions, every thought, and every disobedience. So let's unpack this a little bit. What are the strongholds that Paul is talking about? Well, first and foremost, arguments. In the, in the original Greek, it's logismo, logismos. One's reasonings or perspective that determines what you value in this world, which is basically a worldview. He says, uh, every lofty, lofty opinion, that's, that's hapsoma, that, that which is lifted up, a, a bulwark in the, original, the, 
literal language, a bulwark of opinions that elevates itself higher than the truth of God. And he goes on to say every thought, panoma, panoma, thoughts were, in, in ancient times, thoughts were what was considered to, to give purpose and, and direction to the heart, to the soul, to the feelings. And he's saying that we need to take every thought captive. Then he says, every disobedience, parakoi, disobedience, specifically disobedience that comes from a failure or a refusal to listen. So strongholds, according to Paul, are false worldviews, any opinion or truths or preferences that claims to be more true than the word of God, any thought that sets one's heart, one's soul, one's feelings against the will and purposes of God, and any act of habitual sin, any, any act that refuses to obey God. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about strongholds. The same strongholds that we must punish and destroy in our own lives if we struggle with them. The, the, and again, it's, it's our own lives, right? Before we start thinking, oh man, I know the strongholds of my wife, right? Guys, don't think that way. Because Jesus himself says, right, before you take out the log, in your neighbor's eye, in your brother's eye, then you got to take out the speck, in, or sorry, the speck from your neighbor's eye. You got to take out the log from your own eye, right? So it's our own lives. Examine your own life. Paul, Paul is waging war. He, he's he's working to destroy these things, these arguments, these lofty opinions, these so-called truths that that elevate themselves to be more more truthful than the Word of God. Everything that we've talked about. Again, that's the different worldviews, that's the lies, that's the temptations. Every thought, according to Paul, must be taken captive to obey Christ. Every thought. So that it's in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is so crucial, by the way. I think sometimes it's like we, we think, okay, the thoughts that we need to take captive are, are the big ones, right? The big temptations, the big lies, the Sort of the, the things that's perpetuated on social media and the news and stuff, that, that's the stuff that we got to make sure that we filter out and not take in. But you have to understand, strongholds are built brick by brick. And if you allow for little lies, little foxes, little doubts and fears to creep into your life unchecked, sooner or later, sooner or later the enemy will have built a stronghold, a fortress in your life. Every thought must be taken captive. Every thought. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, first and foremost, we, we, we get some ideas from Paul. So how do we take our thoughts captive? First and foremost, think beyond the physical. Think beyond the physical. Verse 3, again, our passage says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. It's very important to remember that we are in a spiritual warfare. A spiritual warfare. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking about this in the sense, but at the same time, I want us to be very wary of hyper-spiritualizing everything, right? Or falling into the dangers of, of, of mysticism in everything. Not everything has to do with spirits and stuff. You know, if, the, if my microphone cuts out, right? It's not because the devil's like, oh, electronics, right? That's, maybe the battery just wasn't charged. That's all it was. But understand, there are things in this world that are just a result of the consequences of sin, the ramifications of living in a fallen world. I remember during, uh, you know, the pandemic, 
couple of years ago now, um, during COVID, and there's all these charismatic preachers saying, you know, praying against the spirit of COVID. Like, I don't think COVID has a spirit, guys. It's just a, you know, a plague in the world, right? But, and so there's this idea that, that you can often get too spiritual and too hyper-focused uh, hyper on mysticism, especially in the church and in some church traditions, and you go overboard. But, and, but with that thought in mind, we mustn't also forget that we are indeed in a spiritual warfare. That there are forces of darkness that are trying to take us or, or, or take us uh, down a path that is opposed to the will of God, to the purposes of God, that, it, that desires to distract us from accomplishing what God desire, uh, has called us to do. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we read this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a battle going on. There is a, a true battle going on. And listen, as people who are caught in, the spirit, in, in that warfare, in those battlegrounds, we cannot take it lightly. We cannot consider it as, 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 as not real, right? You know, with, with the, all the tragedies happening in Ukraine and in, in Russia happening in, in Europe right now, I don't imagine those people in Ukraine are living their lives like normally, right? I don't imagine those people in Ukraine are, are just going about their day normally. They are fully aware that at any moment missiles could come down or at any moment that they're, they're not any moment, that their entire life is caught up in this battleground. We must remember that we are in a spiritual battle. And so some application to this, right? Think beyond the physical. Maybe it's simply just stopping a moment. When, when an intrusive thought comes in, when a temptation comes in, maybe it's just stopping for a moment and, and thinking, thinking through your thoughts. Like, why am I thinking this way? Why is, am I feeling this way? Why is this thought coming at me now? It could be, again, just be something, a, a consequence of that day, something that, that's happened, right? Just because you have a nightmare or a dream about something, don't think it's like a premonition. Maybe it's just a bad pizza you ate the night before, right? But at the same time, stop and think through those thoughts. It, again, Paul says, take every thought captive. Think through your thoughts. When, in my own personal experience, when I, I, I find that I, when I'm tempted the most, when I'm discouraged the most, when I, I find myself distracted the most, it's oftentimes when, I'm, when God is calling me to do something big for his kingdom. Summer jam picnic, that week before, telling you spiritual warfare. Almost every week coming to the word and being preparing for the word to preach to you spiritual warfare. There is a distraction, there is an attempt by the enemy every day, every week, on all our lives to distract us and to dissuade us from fulfilling the will and call of God on our lives. Ask yourself, what are you currently being bombarded with? The, the, the lies, the temptations, the, the thoughts, the doubts and fears. What, what are you being bombarded with? Stop and consider what it is that the enemy is trying to distract you from. Maybe a good question to ask is, what is it that God is calling you to? And maybe that's the reason why you are going through some battles currently. 
You know, again, just maybe it's just simply serving someone or sharing the gospel or ministering to a brother or sister. The enemy does not want that to take place. So we must take every thought captive. Think beyond the physical. Secondly, Paul gives us a second thing in our, in our passage. He says, um, he says in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Here's the second, uh, here's the second truth of how, or second tool that we can use to take our thoughts captive. Turn to the spiritual. Turn to the spiritual. The, the, again, as we mentioned, mentioned, as believers, we have exclusive, unique weapons and tools that we have, that we have in Christ to combat intrusive thoughts, temptations, ideas, false doctrines. Our weapons are divine in nature, meaning it's empowered by the, by the, the power of God. You know, I, I think as Christians, as believers, especially in some churches, there's a tendency to be very pragmatic, right? Sort of those self-help, those, boost, those ego-boosting churches, right? Oftentimes you'll hear, you know, five steps of conquering your giants, and then they list out strategies that you might even hear from Dr. Phil or someone from the world. And I'm sure those things can help, that there's some truth in that as well. There's no doubt about that. But it only goes so far. Because all of those tactics, whatever Dr. Phil can suggest, that's still in the flesh. Those tactics, those, those, those strategies to better your life, to keep those thoughts out of your life, that comes from man, that's all in the flesh. What Paul is talking about here are weapons that can only come from God. Weapons that have divine power to destroy strongholds. It's not man's tactics that will de- destroy those strongholds in your life. It's only the weapons from God. And so what are these weapons that, that Paul is talking about? Well, let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. I love Ephesians chapter 6 because that's another sort of uh, another war battle cry of, of, of the apostle Paul in his letters. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. He says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation. So that's, that's, that's everything, that's the armor of God that's very defensive, Right? You got the belt of truth, you got the breastplate of righteousness, you got the shoes made ready by the gospel, you got, the, you, you got the, the shield of faith, and of course the helmet of salvation. Everything is what? An armor piece to protect you, to guard you against the schemes or the, the flaming darts of the evil one, as that passage says. But then Paul gets to our weapon, the offensive weapon that God gives us. Listen to this. And take on, verse 17, continuing that, and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The divine weapons that Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians, he answers in Ephesians chapter 6, they are the word of God and prayer. Prayer. The world does not have access to these things. That's the reality. Only believers in Christ. 
Only those who find themselves in Christ. Only those who, whom the Holy Spirit have worked in their hearts so that the Word of God can reveal its truth and understanding to it. The world does not have that. So why would we not use those weapons that the world doesn't have? The divine weapons of the Word of God and prayer is what breaks strongholds. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, is that it? Right? Word of God and prayer, like we hear this all the time. Is that it? Listen, it's not just it. It's everything. Just, you know, when we're talking about battling temptations, all this stuff, Jesus himself, we know this from the Gospels, when he was faced with Satan himself, used the word of God, quoting scripture, to fend off the devil himself. What prepared Daniel to experience the lion's den? It was prayer. What, what released Jonah from the belly of the great fish? It was prayer. What encouraged David the most in his, in his loneliest times when he was being hunted by King Saul? It was the truth of God's word. Listen, the reason some of us are losing the battles in our lives against these thoughts is because we're going into war with blunt weapons. The Bible says that the, sword, the, the word of God is sharpened a two-edged sword. Again, it's a sword of the spirit. But if you do not know the word of God, you're coming into battle with a blunt weapon. You're coming into battle with an ineffective weapon. And also because you're not praying enough. This is very true, okay? You can take this statement to the bank. You can post it on your wall, do whatever with it, whatever. But listen to this, right? There is a direct correlation between the amount of time you spend sinning, discouraged, fearful, unsatisfied in this world, and the amount that you spend in God's word and in prayer. A direct correlation. The less time you spend in God's word, the more time you spend dealing with temptations, with sin, with doubt and fears. The less time you spend... In prayer, the more time you spend in fears. So again, as a, as a way of application, see for yourself, right? The next time you are having a bad day, stop a moment and, and think, did you, did you read the Word of God that day? Next time you, you're, you're, you're grumbling and your heart's becoming bitter towards an individual or you're stressed about work or anxious about, about school and things that you got to do, ask yourself, how much time did you spend in prayer that day? You know, why, why wouldn't we pray? Why wouldn't we pray? Hebrews chapter 4 talks about how uh, that we have this confidence to draw near to God, to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and, and find grace and help in our times of need. The only way that we draw near to the throne of God is through prayer. It's our direct hotline to our source of help. So why wouldn't we pray? Listen, if, if, you, are dealing, if you are currently dealing with sin in your life, and temptations in your life, ask yourself, how much time have you spent on your knees, on your knees begging God to be free of that sin? To be free of that temptation. Remember what happened to Paul in the same letter, in the same letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, two chapters after our passage. Paul talks about the thorn in his side. 
He says, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And then he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Pleaded, meaning he begged God three times with earnestly, earnestly begging God for this thorn on his side, wherever it was, to leave him. How much time are you spending on your knees praying against whatever sin is in your life, against whatever fear is in your life, against whatever anxiety is in your life? If you want to break, if you want breakthrough, if you want the strongholds in your life to be destroyed, read your Bible and pray. Study God's word, memorize it, meditate on it. Write it down on paper if that's how you'll memorize it, if that's how you will recall it. Put it as the, 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 the wallpaper of your phone so that whenever you look at it, you can see the truths of God every day, every moment that you turn on your phone. Whatever it takes, sharpen the sword of the Spirit in your life. Thirdly, it's moving on here. If we want breakthrough and strongholds, Paul says in verse 5 to 6, we destroy, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience with your obedience when your obedience is complete. Notice the wording there. It's not passive at all. Notice that it's all offensive. It's Paul making ground. It's Paul taking steps to destroy our arguments, to take every thought captive, to punish disobedience. Here's, here's the third truth that we hear from Paul. We must take the offensive. Take the offensive. It's about being vigilant. It's being cautious. It's being wary of every thought that comes in, everything that you put in your mind, every book that you read, every show that you watch, every opinion that you refer to and, and lean towards. It's filtering everything that comes your way, that you feed yourself with. It's taking the offensive. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the science of sin, right? It's, not, it's, it's avoiding the street of the seductress. It's avoiding the, the, the street of temptation that you know full well that if you walk down that street, you're going to be tempted and you're going to fall. It's avoiding that. It's being aware of it. It's being aware of when you are more susceptible to sin. You must be vigilant. You must take the offensive. Sometimes we, again, we're in this idea of, of, of warfare and we take the passive ground in it. We, we, we sort of just, you know, I'm, you know, well, I'll take it as it comes. That's not how war works. That's often how, that's often how, how, how surprise attacks work, Right? When we least expect it, when we're just going about our day-to-day -day lives, that's when the enemy strikes. Take the offensive. You know, something I like to do when, uh, when I, whenever I hear sort of doubts and fears and insecurities come about, and I specifically know it's not, it's not just from my own heart, but it's the enemy feeding me these lies and, you know, whispering these thoughts, telling me, oh, you know, Ian, you're this, you did this in your past, this is who you are, ha, 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 Right? I like to read Revelations out loud, right? Revelation 20.10, specifically. The devil who had deceived them all was thrown into the lake of fire 
Let the demons hear that, right? You say, this is who I am? This, this is what's going to happen to you. Take the offensive a little. We must take the offensive. We cannot wage this war in our thoughts passively. Especially, listen, if you're a parent and you have kids, you mustn't take it passively because, listen, ever. If you ever see what they're teaching the kids in schools these days, that's not passive. It's very much aggressive. And we need to instill these, these, these truths of God, these values of God in them, even before they get into school, even before they start hearing that stuff. Because the enemy and the world is not taking this warfare passively. They're not taking it in a way where it's like, oh, we'll, 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 you know, if the battle comes, you know, we'll, that's when we'll fight. No, they're aggressively trying to indoctrinate our kids. They're aggressively trying to influence us to pursue a lifestyle of, of, of lust and, and, the, and, and of the flesh. We mustn't take this war passively. Make boundaries for yourself. Filter out what the thoughts that you, the thoughts that you're receiving. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, uh, Paul says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying, take the initiative. Think about what is good, whatever is lovely. And not just think about them, but practice them. Again, in the battle for our thoughts, we must take the offensive. Take the offensive. Now, lastly, as we close up here in verse 7, it says, look what it says here. Look, Paul says, look. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. I love this because Paul is trying to remind the Corinthian church of their identity, right? Look, he says, look at what's before your eyes. Look at your identity, right? If anyone is confident in Christ, meaning if anyone is found in Christ, confident that they are justified, redeemed, forgiven in Christ, let him remind them that, that that just as he is in Christ, so also are we. Paul talks about there being a confidence in, for those who are in Christ, who belong to Christ. And rightly so, because our victory in this life, our victory in the spiritual warfare, our victory over our intrusive thoughts, the temptations, the discouragements, all of it, all of it is assured only in and, and lastly, if, if we want to take our thoughts captive, if we want to destroy the strongholds in our lives, then we must tarry in Christ. Tarry in Christ. You know, we've been talking a lot about strongholds that the enemy sets up, sets up in our lives. The temptations, the, the, the bulwarks that uh, come as a result of letting sin and fear and doubt come into our minds. But the reality is the Bible talks about our stronghold as well. And it talks a lot about this, actually, and all throughout the Old Testament. 
The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. That's in Proverbs. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? As much as the enemy might have strongholds in our lives, we have to understand that God is our stronghold, is our refuge. And listen, you know, I've been talking about taking the offensive and doing battle with the enemy and doing battle with our thoughts and all these things, but I want to reassure you because some of you might be tired from having to fight those battles. I want to reassure you, if ever you get to a point in, in that spiritual warfare and, you, and you've done all you could, you've prayed all you could and read your Bible all you could, but you're still succumbing to sin, you're still stumbling in sin, here's the reality of it. Sometimes our victory is simply resting in Christ. Finding our refuge and our stronghold, our comfort in Christ. Psalm 61, verse 1 to 3. I love this. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Sometimes simply confiding in the Savior, finding rest and refuge from the Savior in the midst of all the temptations, in the midst of all the fear-mongering, in the midst of all the intrusive thoughts. Sometimes this finding grace in the Savior is enough. Remember, again, Paul's thorn. After praying three times, pleading with God, begging with God for the thorn in his side to be removed, God doesn't remove it. He says, though, my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, and hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in our weakness that we get to the privilege of seeing the power of Christ. We get the privilege, privilege, privilege of experiencing the grace of Christ. And sometimes that's the victory enough. In this world, in this lifetime, when we are still struggling in the flesh, sometimes the victory that ought to satisfy, that ought to comfort our hearts, is simply, is simply being found in the grace of our Savior. So we must think beyond the physical. Remember that this is a spiritual warfare, a battleground for our thoughts. We must turn to the spiritual, turn to, to the weapons that God has given us to fight off these temptations, to fight off these thoughts, these doubts and fears. That is the word of God and prayer. We must take the offensive. We mustn't take this thing lightly. We mustn't take this passively. Be very wary. Be very vigilant. Take the offensive, get rid of whatever it is in your life that would cause you to sin, that would, you know would lead you down a road of temptation. And finally, we must tarry in Christ. When the battle gets too hard, when the battle gets too difficult, 
must rest in our Savior. Must confide in our Savior. Must find confidence in our Savior. Must find grace in our Savior. All of this is only available to those who are in Jesus Christ. And if you are here this morning and you have been struggling with sin and temptation and discouragement and fear and doubt, maybe a good question to ask first and foremost is, are you in Christ? Do you have the living hope that the Word of God promises us so that we can see these days, see those hard days through? And not just, not just the, the hard days of this life, but to, to have freedom from the punishment of sin in the next life. Do you have Christ? Do we only have hope in Christ? There's, no, there's nothing that we can do. There's no man-made method to help us escape these things. Our hope is only in Christ. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart from Christ. So invitation for us this morning, if you have yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to be found in Jesus Christ, the invitation is to put your faith in him this morning to see his finished work on the cross of Calvary, his payment that allows forgiveness of our sin, that allows us to have hope of a better tomorrow, of a victory over sin, over death, over hell and the grave. Again, there's nothing that you can do. It's all in Christ. It's not about your good works, your good deeds, your church attendance, the songs that you sing. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are here this morning and you have been struggling in these thoughts, if you're a believer in Christ already and you have been struggling in these thoughts and struggling with discouragements and doubt, I urge you to take up the sword again. Take up the word of God again. Pray again. Do battle again. The, the war is not done. The victory is already claimed in Jesus Christ. Take up the fight again. Do not give up. Our Savior is the one who leads the charge. And he's already won the battle on the cross and in the grave. What else can we fear? What else? Where is the, where is the sting of death, of sin, when the Savior himself has already nailed it to the cross? Take up the fight again. Take up the word, read the word, pray, spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ to help you fight in whatever battles that you have in your own life. But do it all in Christ. And when at the end of the day, when you are tired, when you are weary, when you have done all that you could to stand, remember who our refuge is. Remember where we can find rest. Remember that it is our Savior. Jesus Christ himself, who is our strong tower, who is our refuge and help in this warfare. Let's pray. O oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, 
Lord, you know every heart in this room and every mind in this room. You, never, you know, Lord God, the thoughts that have plagued every mind, every temptation, oh God. Every stumbling block that we've let into our lives. All the little foxes of sin and temptation that we've allowed to ruin the vineyards of our mind and our heart. But God, our hope is not lost because you have already won the victory. And so I pray in Jesus' name that God, you would take every thought captive. That God, you would train up a people, raise up a people who will fight the good fight. Who will stand against the lies of the enemy. Who will stay pure and holy just as you are holy. A people whose heart is for you. A people who, who, who will stand for truth. Who will stand against the lies of the enemy. Who will fight alongside with brother and sister who is struggling. And above all, God, who is a people who, who will find comfort and joy and rest and refuge and help in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in anything else of this world. Not in any of these, these things that the world tries to sell as comfort or temporary pleasures of the flesh or temporary refuge. But that we would find shelter and hope in the only firm foundation that we have in you, our Lord. God, you know those who have been weary and who have been tired, but I pray that today would be a day of rejuvenation, O oh God, a refreshment, O oh Lord. That every brother and every sister would once again pick up the sword against the spiritual battles that they wage against that they would have renewed determination to pursue the things of you in their lives, to say no to the, to the distractions of the enemy, to avoid the stumbling blocks, the, the pitfalls of sin, to quench every fear and every doubt in the truth and in the knowledge of your word. I pray, O oh God, that this day would be a day of breakthrough, O oh Lord. day where strongholds would fall and crumble at the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, our only hope, our only, our only way of victory is in you. And so God, our, your people run to you, oh God. We cling to you this morning. We ask that you fight for us and you defend us. That you Enable us, O oh God, to, to live for your glory, to live lives worthy of the gospel, to live up to the call that you have placed on our lives. And God, we thank you. We thank you because we know that our assurance, our hope, our joy, our victory has already been claimed by you on the cross. God, I pray for the heart that does not know you yet. That this day would be a day where they put their faith in 
the God who loves them and has made a way to reconcile them, save them from sin and the punishment of sin, save them from hell. I pray that this day would be a day of salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.